In this interview, I'm once again joined by Nai Murez, personal student and writing collaborator of best-selling author and Nahual sorcerer, Carlos Castaneda. In this discussion, we learn about the art of dreaming in the tradition of the Nahual. Nai talks about the different stages and training approaches to the art of dreaming, including how to become consistently lucid, waking up in the dream, interacting with, and even changing the dream environment. We discuss how to identify beings from other realms, so-called dream scouts, and how to meet and communicate with other people, living or dead, while asleep. Nai also discusses how to use the dream state to manifest favorable circumstances in the waking world, and how to defend against psychic or energetic attack from other skilled dreamers. So without further ado, Nai Mirez. Nai Mirez, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to focus today on the art of dreaming. Many people will be aware of the idea of lucid dreaming, which is knowing that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. And anyone who's read much of Carlos Castaneda's material will know that dreaming plays a big part in your tradition too. I think many people can remember Carlos's attempts to look for his hands in his dreams to achieve lucidity, for example. It's a very memorable part. But there's quite a bit more to it than that. In the book Art of Dreaming, which you were involved in the writing of, Castaneda cites Don Juan on the subject as saying, There are seven gates, and dreamers have to open all seven of them, one at a time. In this particular instance, since we're talking about the first gate of dreaming, the goal of dreaming is to intend that your energy body becomes aware that you're falling asleep. Don't try to force yourself to be aware of falling asleep. Let your energy body do it. To intend is to wish without wishing to do without doing. And already there's lots of language there and a frame on dreaming, which I think is quite unique. Can you tell us a bit about the way one learns to work with dreaming uh, in your lineage and also what your personal journey was in learning the art of dreaming? Yeah, and that journey is still going on, of course. Um, so just a detail, I mean, I was involved uh, in reading and responding to um, drafts of the art of dreaming, uh, Carlos Castaneda, you know, his writing, as we talked about a bit uh, last time, he took writing as an act of dreaming. So he really largely had what he wanted to say um, really early on, and then. It developed through drafts. And a word about that book, too. Um, he wanted it to come out. Uh, he wrote it, and it went into the second attention for a long time before it came out into the world. So, and that's what we feel with dreaming, you know, the practice of dreaming, the art of dreaming. Um, when we're in, uh, uh, well, let, let's talk about two different kinds of dreams first, just to lay the ground to answer your question about the first gate of dreaming and all of that. Um, Carlos and the lineage, uh, you know, lineage of Don Juan distinguished um, in Spanish, uh, there's soñar, which is, and forgive my accent, Spanish speakers, but um, there's, this is what we call an ordinary dream, maybe phantasmagorical, we're dreaming about what we would say to the boss or whatever, um, or what we watch on Netflix or whatever, whatever it is. Um, 
And then there's insoñar, which is not really in a way what we'd call a dream. We, we're sleeping, we've had a shift of awareness, but we're actually in what the lineage would call an energy generating world. So there's real actions going on, real interactions. And we can tell the difference. I talked about that sheen and that different mood that the book has. Um, you know, when you talk to someone and they're like, that dream was so real. I was really talking to him. And occasionally, rarely, you'll even, you can corroborate the other person you may have had that. You may have another perspective on the same dream. That's quite rare. Um, but you wake up. You feel energized. You feel like it sets the tone for your whole day. Something has shifted. And sometimes those things don't... Generally, when it's an energy-generating dream like that, it's not going to shift back. Like you may have had a conversation or an experience or you've opened up your awareness in a specific way that it doesn't revert. Um, so we want to make that distinction um, the ordinary dreams are a great place for practice, um, but that's where I, I wouldn't be an expert in what's called lucid dreaming. That's a different terminology and a different paradigm, um, but we want to distinguish because you can have an ordinary dream that's quite lucid. That doesn't mean that it's actually an energy generating dream or an, an actual transaction or interaction that's taking place. So... Um, those energy generating dreams would involve you actually shifted your perception to go into even another world or somewhere in this world. Um, so, and that's done with the dreaming body or the energy body, the energy being. And when we feel that well being and that buoyancy, that's a strong a link with the energy body. It's probably moved closer. And Carlos would talk about how the energy body for most of us starts out very far away. And it's us made of energy. It's a sphere of energy. Um, it's our energetic twin. It connects through the heart or what those seers call the assemblage point. Um, and that's why we talk about the path with heart is actually the path of moving to these different positions of the energy body of exploring of learning and we'll all have different things that we're interested in exploring and learning but really when we really take that on in that deep level it's moving the assemblage point um the assemblage point is something don juan described you know we, we are luminous spheres of energy or we can say we have this physical body and the electromagnetic fields that go through and around the body. And then there's this other body, the energy body, that's just sheer energy, another sphere that connects um, at the assemblage point, which is the point they see a really bright spot, see or see a bright spot on our luminosity. Usually it's about an arm, you know, behind the shoulder blades, about an arm's length away. Um, and they see countless, infinite numbers of energetic strands that have awareness going through that ball. They said it's about the size of a tennis ball, that glow. And they could see that in sometimes like extreme conditions uh, or when one is sleeping, that, 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 that glow moves. 
when we go to sleep, it moves on its own. And they, they start to really explore this systematically, and they under, came to understand that you're shifting your you're shifting a part of the universe that you're actually in and perceiving and experiencing and interacting with. So another description of this is breaking the parameters of perception and perceiving more than we think we're capable of perceiving. And so this is what they call the art of dreaming is to do this with order, with cohesion, with sobriety. Um, so you asked about how people are trained to do this. Well, different, you know, and in the stories that Carlos Castaneda and his colleagues, Florinda Donnergrau and Taisha Avalar have written about, they're all trained in different ways. Um, so some of it's individual. In general, it starts with what we call the recapitulation. Um, however, that's the life review, a, a systematic review of one's life um, with a specific breathing technique where we call our energy back, we call back any judgments we might have on other people. If we judge some someone, or that's a strong attachment. Or if we judge a situation, then we've actually just really helped lock that in to repeat itself, right? So the recapitulation, we can breathe that back and exhale any judgments we took on knowing or unknowing, right? If somebody might have fibers that stuck to us and we start to free our energy we start to tell a different story about our lives um, most of us our stories are pretty unexamined we have an event we might talk about it in a certain way but that story becomes fixed in the awareness of when we were five or ten or whatever it is and we want to bring the breath in the more developed brain and the continuous enhancement of our awareness as we gather energy and we start to tell a different story we start to have more energy for lots of things but for in, the, in terms of dreaming um, that takes energy that we normally put into defending ourselves into um, being offended into what Carlos called self-importance um, so when we free that, we naturally will have the energy being, the energy body will come into play. We'll have more energy, we'll be more creative, we'll be more innovative, and in terms of dreaming, <clears throat> we'll be more capable, we'll start to have the energy to, to for example, cross the first gate of dreaming. Yeah, it takes intent, it takes effort, but it also takes energy. And so... There's different descriptions, and if you read The Art of Dreaming, uh, you can't nail down one description of what is crossing the first gate, um, because it's very multi-layered, there's mystery to it, um, and there's we're using a, a language that we use in daily life to describe something that is really outside its range. Um, that being said, the first gate of dreaming, the key is being able being aware that you're in a dream and being able to hold the elements of a dream steady the way we can hold this conversation relatively steady you're in a boat there's some books behind you i'm here i've got some flutes you know there's a oaxacan pattern and that's consistent if you look up and look away you can look back and you'll still see this oaxacan pattern and carlos castaneda wrote about the moment where 
he made that shift from just seeing energy as a child, as a baby in the crib, and you know, and to it turns into furniture and walls and you know, nanny or whatever. You, you know, that world had to be assembled. We had to get our assemblage point or our orientation to reality to fix to really actually be here in this agreement in this assemblage point that we call the everyday world so uh, part of our training is to understand and to recognize and to practice in the daily world that's a huge that's probably the biggest part of the training is like so that's where the recapitulation is necessary if we are fixated on for example my habit when i walk into a room you know different people will see different things they'll walk in differently the the whole thing and it was you know pointed out to me my habit is to look at who's in charge that's one of the things i'll look at you know there's who's in charge and I'm either their best friend or I don't like it that much. So, you know, that's a ha that is learned, that is cultivated over time. So the recapitulation, we're systematically going to be aware of that. If I fell into that again today, at the end of the day, or in that moment, if I have a minute, I can just breathe it back and be more conscious and look around that room and wow, there's people I could collaborate with there's people i could listen to and observe there's so many other things i could look at the arc the structure of the room i could listen to the bird outside I could, there's all sorts of options so the fun part is you know my teachers would say we're looking for how do i go to other worlds it's like well first you've got to arrive in this one and most of us haven't quite you know um, are you, we call this the first attention, are you paying attention in the first attention? Where does your attention go? You know, so it, is, it really is all about our attention, you know, because then our energy will go there and we find ourselves in some, some drama, which most of the time is a pseudo drama, you know, it's, or created through our internal dialogue, through our habits through who we imitated, and, you know. And people would ask about children, how do I train my children to be conscious? It's like children, the, the you know, Taisha, Florinda, Carol Teagues, my, you know, female teachers, children, their answer is children copy. So the first thing is clean up your life, get intentional or, or keep, you know, take care of your own attention, take care of where you're, they're going to copy you. And you see this, you know, countless times. I mean, one example that comes to mind for me, um, let's say, you know, women are really coming out of this idea of body shaming, right? And you'll have a mother who had a struggle herself, but she's always told her daughter she's beautiful and everything's fine and she could do, you know, don't ever worry about what people think. But if she's still got some threads of that, it's not about being guilty at all. It's about you have the power to shift it. That daughter will copy you, right? Or son. We, we have it with 
we've got equal opportunity with that now. So as as mom starts to really make peace with her, make friends with her body, as an example, that gives daughter or son or whoever it is a, a better opportunity to do that for themselves. So there's there's that. So all that's going to go into our, our dreaming practices. So the less we're occupied with that, the more we will be able to explore and dreaming and so it'll show up if you're not sure what your fixations are in the day look at what your fixations are in in the in dreams at night what are the you know recurring dreams so that was something that we were trying to do um and it starts with recording your dreams as data to be interested about not as well, my dream's cooler than your dream or whatever, you know, but hey, it's, and you're also telling the dreaming attention, that's a specific attention, that you're paying attention now. And it says, oh, somebody's here. We're going to bring more. You're telling the dreaming body. So we start, you know, rec record the dreams. And that would, that would start with, I mean, it really goes to, do you sleep at night? Can you sleep at night? And if you don't sleep well, it doesn't mean there's no hope doesn't mean that at all but sleep your best some people sleep longer than others some people sleep with a different depth than others it's not about one size fits all but do your best and give that time and space because it's that time that we can restore and let go and something else that dreaming body can come in so how's your sleeping space um, what are you doing before you go to sleep what are you feeding your awareness? Are you feeding it horror movies on Netflix? That's probably not going to work out too well in terms of your dreaming. Or um, kind of working till the last minute. Sometimes that's necessary and that's okay. That means you're not focused on the dreaming attention at that point or that day or that point in your life. Um, but if you want to cultivate that awareness in your sleep, then set set it up with just certain basics you know if there's something that's really bugging you that's unresolved that you don't want to have dreams about and it's on your table next to your bed maybe wrap it up and put it away if you do want to focus on it keep it open you could get solutions in your dreaming but if anything that's distracting you unnecessarily um, some people are more sensitive to electromagnetics from cell phones and computers. If, you know, you know, try it out. See what happens if you switch that off at night. Um, see what happens if there's an arrangement that is bugging you, shift it to one that is pleasing or feels more enhancing, all those things. Um, so that will influence. And then it extends to your day. If it's a day filled with uh, groaning, as Carol Teagues would say, you know, was it a day of groaning or complaint or was it an artistic day? So you be an art artist of perception. Was And it's, again, not to judge ourselves. It's just to start to become aware that that will all come into dreaming. It's not an accident if you're having an argument with somebody in your dreams, right? It's also not a disaster. It means that, okay, you didn't work it out in the day, now you're working it out at night. But if you want to do something else, then let's work it out in the day if we can, you know. 
Um, that's a taste. I think it's good to pause, for me to pause and check and see. When I think about dreaming, dream work, dream explorations of all kinds, in a certain sense, there's a school that is, looks to interpret the dreams, uh, Jungian ana analysis, uh, this sort of thing. And there are, there are other schools which focus more on the quality of the dream. Uh, say a, a more strict lucid dreaming approach wouldn't necessarily be exclusively concerned with the content of the dream, but also would be concerned with becoming lucid or uh, or gaining a certain stability in the dream or something like this. So there's these different sorts of um, emphases. I'm wondering to what degree, it sounds like there's a bit of both in, in what you're saying. So I'm wondering to what degree one interprets the contents of the dream and how that's done, if, it, if it's done. And and to what uh, and what are the further steps beyond that stabilization of the dream environment? Uh, the, if you want technical or mechanical steps that one might do uh, within the dream, regardless of its content. Okay, so that's really. I'm going to take that as two questions. Um, so, to what extent are we in this lineage engaged in interpretation of the dreams? That's a distant second to being a to the effort to become aware in one's dreams. That being said, you know it's a well-known. Um, thing that Einstein, for example, said he found some of the solutions that he brought out in his dreams. Um, and you hear that any creative artist or explorer, science, not, you hear it a lot of find solutions in dreams. So I don't know if that's interpretation per se, but that's one aspect. You will, it will show you things. Um, Again, what are the patterns or repeating patterns in your dreams that will tell you a lot? That's great information for you about what you're doing in your day. And then in terms of interpretation, we can do this without uh, getting overly serious or writing a manual, you know, um, or trying to pin down one interpretation. But there can be very, very helpful things that we discover and um I wrote to you a little bit about, for example, we can take, if it's a dream, a lot of interactions with other people, you can take everyone in the dream as an aspect of you. If it's not an energy generating dream where you're um, actually, you know, interacting with others, even if you are, that, but that's another story. But, um, you know, Let's say there's um, somebody who is kind of wild and crazy and shouting, and there's somebody who's hiding, and there's somebody in the middle trying to work it all out, and there's somebody coming in off the street, you know, brashly as one. What if there's one part of you that sort of feels wild and shouting and out of control, and there's another part that's hiding about something, and another one that's trying to work it all out and another part of you that's just wanting to take it over without any kind of nuance, you know, the situation that it can be really, really helpful. Um, it's definitely helped me when I look at things that way. Um, it takes us immediately out of other dramas that we might be, well, I'm the hero or I'm the savior, or I'm the victim, which we get into in daily life too, you know? Um, so, 
that to me is is a really helpful way to interpret sometimes sometimes if i see someone in a dream it tells me okay i'm going to reach out to that person i might see them playing their music or struggling about something or who knows what and it's somebody i know that i'm in it's good to contact i reach out and i may say i saw you in that dream or i may not depending on whether i think it'd be helpful for them and sure enough you know it's quite astounding sometimes you know what the dreaming body will show us that is beyond our linear perception um and it also is an encouragement when i have dreams like that it's an encouragement for me to also tune in more with that person in the daily world or with that issue that that person's having or start reaching out to people more it's usually it's usually not one person at a time that that happens with it might be one person that day but it start it comes in waves so it's time for me to really reach out and check in on people um that I'm working with it can be that so um in terms of you know we all have read the classic dream dictionaries if your teeth are falling out you're losing control for me that's um of course there's no dogma about any of that it's find it out for yourself uh, if it's if it rings true then great if it doesn't then move on you know because i think we all have different symbols and languages in our dreams too and it um i have a lot of travel images you know somebody else it might be walking or being on the ocean for me it's trains and planes and buses and tickets and catching it on time and it it's an indication that we're about i'm about to switch dreams or i'm about to wake up almost every time those trips like we got to catch the plane or whatever um sometimes my teachers would be on the train and i sure did want to catch that rather than not and um most of the time you catch it and if you don't it means okay i got to really recapitulate really get my act together cuz i'm not keeping up with the with the movement of energy that they are following you know so it'll tell you that too or it'll tell you you are keep going um so i mean it's no end right to the world of dreaming sometimes you get humorous messages you know sometimes they're scary um sometimes it's something's not going the way you want like let's say i feel i'm missing that train let's exercise the dreaming attention and shift the dream and get on the train you know or shift it you have the power it's your dream you can shift it you know so we could even you can even and it's really helpful if you want to remember the dream and also if you want to shift it if you're slightly waking up stay in the body position that you were in don't get up and go to the bathroom and get water and answer an email don't totally change your position you try to stay in that position go back down redream um and also if you want to remember the dream itself and write it down very helpful um stay in the same position as much as possible and if 
if writing would really interfere with that, then you could record it or say something out loud before you get to the writing so that you've sealed it now in this attention. So the positions of the body will affect the, the positions of the assemblage point and the position of the dream. So that's a key element. And then that gets into some of uh, how I was trained or my stories. Um, and in my case, we have to talk about, um, there are some differences with women and men. Um, it's a spectrum. Some women might have traits that are more like men and vice versa. And we all, we're learning collectively gender is a spectrum. And so some of these traits will be a spectrum, but there are tendencies, you know. And with women, um, women have the womb, which is considered the natural organ of dreaming. So the second brain. Uh, does it mean they're better or smarter? No, but it means they have different proclivities, different abilities. Um, so what Carlos Kess, what Don Juan said to Carlos Castaneda about this, and he wrote about this in the book Magical Passes in the chapter on the series for the womb, but he would talk to us about it. And it took me a long time to even hear this, which tells you how deep the socialization is. It said women who have this natural organ of perception, this natural proclivity for dreaming, which means finding new areas of perception, new possibilities, very generative, um, innovative, naturally, have been heavily socialized to be indifferent about this. Um, doesn't mean all women, it doesn't mean only women, um, but I can raise my hand on that because I have a lifetime of all these interesting, colorful dreams and I notice if I drink coffee, it's gets a little fearful and they go on forever and if I eat this or if I sleep in this position or I you know um, do this breathing meditation beforehand I can see the shifts sometimes I can even remember very well if I do get up and go and get water and come back I can still hold on to it not always so and so I would also just was a little bit like took it for granted and I still I have to really work at that you know and I I may have told you you know I have all these years of facilitating at workshops you know and working with teacher trainees and all this and it took me a while to catch on to the plot but uh, for example a man will come up after the workshop and start telling me in vivid detail about a dream that he's had and I, I'm like, oh, so when did you have that? And I'm thinking last week or two days ago, and it'll be, oh, that was 20 years ago. And I'm like, what? Why, then why are we talking about it now? Because whether he may have had only that one experience that he remembers well, but he cherishes it. I had had that last week, but I may or may not remember it. So um, part of my training it, that gets into the recapitulation, that socialization to be indifferent, you know, that's over centuries, you know, the women have this power and then we're supposed to ignore it or it's no big deal or you're a little crazy or whatever. 
if you do ignore that, you probably, at least in my case, I will be a little crazy because there's some part of me that I'm not honoring. It's just like dreaming is related to our creative expression. And if we're sitting on our heart's passion because we're not good enough or we're too young or too old or Sarah was better or whatever, it makes us a little bit mad or it'll make us ill. It'll make us restless. It, it'll, it'll act on us. Right. So, um, the sobriety is really to give dreaming the space to take time to write the dreams down or tell it in a thing to, and then maybe if there's one that really still talks to you, tell someone else, tell, tell a conscious witness, you'll see other layers to it. And sometimes even we will recapitulate dreams. You know, if you have certain things that you get stuck with, you know, I'd have a recurring performance dream. I'm a musician. So there's the inevitable dream that it still comes once in a while, not as often as it used to, but it's, um, there's a music performance that I didn't know about and there's no sheet music on the stand and I've got to suddenly play like a box sonata or something with a quartet and, and I don't know what to do. You know, that tells me I need to recapitulate. There's probably something I'm involved in. I'm not really prepared for. I need to really do my preparation. It can be a cue for that. It could be what I ate, you know, um, the womb is an organ of dreaming, but we all have, dreaming capacity, we all have a assemblage point, we all have energy body at the heart, so men, you know, have dreaming capacity as well, but one thing that we're all affected by in dreaming is the liver, that's also an organ that really affects our dreaming, so if, if I had an outlandish dream, I might tell one of my teachers, and they'd be like, what did you eat, and I'm like, is that what you're going to say, why are you not taking me seriously on this, like, well, what did you eat, yeah, well, I ate that weird cheese before I went to sleep, you know, so then I had the nightmare, and it's not really any more complicated than that. So, um, by contrast, if I take care of this body and I'm nice to the liver and I do things that are nice to it, then I have a little—I have a lot more room for um, energy-generating dreams, dreams that where. I see something that I didn't before that I go somewhere I haven't been before or somewhere I have been, but I'm more conscious about it. Um, I don't know. It's different for different people. I've heard people tell me and I've had the experience too, that you go to a neighborhood that's very familiar. And in the dream, it's, it's your neighborhood and you know, the routes as you ride your bike or walk around at different times of day in different seasons. And you wake up, and that's not where you live. It's not someplace you've ever lived here. It's not your home. It's operating at this other level, and it's very interesting. And to me, if we, again, without being self-important, but start to give that space in our awareness here, we could. It'd be very interesting what can happen. So. The procedure that you're laying out seems to be partly it's how one attends to one's daily life in terms of recapitulation and uh, looking after the body, setting up the sleeping space, this sort of gathering energy, but also d directing uh, the intention or attention towards the, the dreaming realm or the dreaming dimension of life. And then this stabilization of the dream, which I'd li like to ask you more about. And then there's steps after that. So 
assuming one is doing some of these daytime procedures that you've, you're describing, what are the methods to stabilize the dreaming attention? In the books, as I mentioned before, Don Juan gave Carlos Castaneda the uh, task to look at his hands. And maybe you can s explain why he was given that task. And uh, how does one stabilize the dream? Yeah. And how did you do it? There is that moment where Castaneda finally has success looking at his hands and he sort of makes some progress. He has a bit of a breakthrough. And I'm, I'm curious if you had a similar, if you remember a similar first breakthrough. Okay. So to talk about how to stabilize the dream and then I'll talk about my experience. Um, so what we can do is set the intention before you go to sleep. One thing that will um, facilitate that is set the intention to become aware of falling asleep, which to this mind is almost impossible. It's like, how can I become aware of that? Because I shift and then I have a different awareness. So it's about, and I remember you had um, a guest who talked about Taria. I love that word. Um, I think it's T-A-R-E-A, -E or there's different spellings of it, but it comes from another tradition about having an awareness. So it's that's a way, become aware you're falling asleep, then you're taking an, um, that conscious awareness part of yourself into the dreaming state, the sleeping state, um, and the other is to set the intention to find your hands or to find a specific object. And I did find the back of my hands. I remember it was a long time ago. And um, <clears throat> then I look around <clears throat> and I re realize that I'm buoyant and I can, you know, rather than try to walk, which is very hard to do because it's bouncy, you're in your dreaming body, you can float. And then in my personal case, I remembered, I did not have this memory before that. <clears throat> I used to lie down on the floor as a child and I would float on the ceilings. I thought that was so much fun to float on the ceiling. And then when there's a door, you know, door frame, float this way, because that's what you do on the ceiling and just play around. And so, what we all recognize on some level is, is this is natural to us. We do this when we're, we all have different things, that, but I, I did it as a kid in conscious awareness, float around. Um, sometimes I, I will still not recognize this as a dream and I'm trying to walk, but it's very difficult. And it's like, if I didn't have the energy, I wake up and go, ah, you know, and if you do, Oh, it's a dream. I can lift off. I can float. I can actually, so there's choices there. If you can float, <laughs> my desire, if I can float, is to float around and go other places. Um, so if you want to hold a dream stable, you can recognize that you're buoyant, you can move, but you also want to, and Carlos was taught like four objects. Just, and that's what we do with the daily attention. We're not looking in detail at every object in the room, but we're establishing, okay, there's a frame over there, there's a window, there's a carpet, there's a bulletin board. So then I would just practice in, in waking awareness, frame, window, carpet, bulletin board, frame, and just practice gazing. 
you do that for a while, you will enter a dreaming state. And my uh, colleague, Renata Mores, sort of led a group, even online. You had a whole bunch of people that really basically went into a dreaming state. We were all gazing either at the room we were in or if people were at home. You share, you know, you pick your four objects. It took a while to get out of the state of silence that everyone was in. And Carlos writes about this too. He's gazing at leaves and he ends up being right next to the leaf. Um, that is a very orderly way to train. Um, that type of procedural training is not my strong suit personally. For me, it's, I have to breathe, make sure that I'm not watching something weird, try to resolve dilemmas before I go to sleep. The, a little more non-procedural stuff so that I will have enough energy to remember to look around in that way and not get distracted by what it means if there's a, you know, that's a, that actually gets into a whole other realm of dreaming though. That's maybe not a distraction. But get distracted by something else like, is somebody looking at me? Am I okay? Um, how's my outfit, you know. Is that because of your typology? Is the, uh, Are there different sort of typologies? You appear to be focusing in a sense on gathering energy and creating a kind of, I suppose, setting the stage, energetically speaking, for that to occur, whereas somebody else might take a more procedural route. Does that illustrate a difference in typology uh, that's that's categorized in your lineage, or is it different strokes for different folks? I would say it's probably a little more different strokes for different different folks. Um, if you read, you know, Florinda Donner Grau, Being and Dreaming, she could go right into dreaming. It's just that she would have nightmares, so she had to recapitulate. And then she's just in dreaming. She can hold a dream and interact in dreams. Um, I wasn't at that level, but I tend to be, it's a natural proclivity. So the procedures, some of them, I mean, we all come to it the way we come to it. And it's good to sometimes go against type. So for me, the training now is to be as procedural as I can and then let it go when it is time to let it go. In other words, oh, I, I am in an energy. I can bounce up and float around and look around. Then I can let go. I don't have to be rigid in that. Um, and that's why I would get, you know, be, be asked to work with somebody who's very procedural, you know, and you can learn from each other. Um, and so you see different descriptions with different students of Don Juan of how they learn and how they practice and, you know, what their challenges were. Carlos had a big challenge of, of fear. He's not a fearful personality. Um, but he had a lot of fear in that inorganic world. And um, I remember as a young reader, I'd be like, why is he so fearful, you know? And then it's like, oh, this is a really disciplined practitioner who's who worked through that. So, um, and it was residual things that were left from things that he had to recapitulate. It wasn't that he was a timid person, you know? And um, so, you know, for me, um, 
I have to face the challenge of distraction. And, you know, Carlos just puts, lays the gates out in order, but sometimes they're not linear. And we will get, get in that, they say it's the realm of the third gate. The energy body just really loves to look at detail. And it'll just go into a universe of detail. It's like, oh, look at that camera. And it, we could be here for, you know, ages. And we have to overcome that tendency. That's definitely a tendency for me to overcome. It's like, so you go back in a, in a weird way in a third gate, you have to go back to the first gate. It's like, okay, I got to hold this dream up with a deeper connection to the energy body. That takes a lot of energy and effort, you know, and you have to want it too. There has to be the desire. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Let's say somebody is getting some success there with, with stabilizing the dream. Uh, they're writing down their dreams. They're uh, thinking about it during the day and doing some certain, certain procedures or not, uh, whether it's recapitulation or certain dream-specific things. And things start to become stabilized in their dreams. What's the next natural step uh, of a training uh, in this particular lineage? Um, if you follow, if we're following like the gates of dreaming, uh, the next natural step would be to change dreams in an orderly way. Um, so, for example, you might be dreaming something and you get a sense, oh, this dream's about to end, I'm going to wake up, and you wake up. And you wake up and you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I've woken up and you recognize you're in another dream. That's an orderly change from one dream to another. It's total, like I'm here in this dream and now I'm in this dream. And then you might wake up third time and you are in your room, you know, where you live in this reality. Um, another way to change dreams, you talk about dream scouts. You have to be able to recognize that it's a scout, which means we need to get to the energetic aspect of the dream that everything's energy if it's an energy generating dream and they, they'd have different techniques you could point you know at things and that's a whole story but um have the intent to see if it's energy and it will um show you you know and there's you'll see maybe something that sizzles everything looks fairly normal and then you see some element or you might see a furry purple snake that'd be my style um, furry animals that aren't really animals from here um, will show up and that's if you check that's energy that's an energy scout you can ask it take me to your world you're in a different dream uh, that takes sobriety um, we don't want to you know get hooked on any of this you can get you know, in one way, you take it with a grain of salt. It's like, that's fascinating, and I'm not really super attached. That's not so easy to come by, but we can do that. Could be easy. Why not? Um, doesn't have to be always arduous. That takes some effort, at least for me. And that's another way. Um, sometimes you just find yourself in a different dream. The challenge, usual dreaming attention would be, oh, I was here. I didn't hold the focus so much, so I just slid over here, then it slid over here, and we have to watch that in the daily world. You know, we went to the movies, we don't need to 
talk about that at the business meeting the next morning, right? So we don't need to slide one dream into the other where it it doesn't really work or you're still occupied with that argument at breakfast when you go into the, you know, take play with your kids or whatever. It's like um, finding ways as much as possible to complete that interaction in the day. It will help you at night to make those shifts in an orderly way also. And in a, just on a really simple level, it's like I don't need all my files on my nightstand. I, I'll put them in the file cabinet, so to speak, you know. Um, that helps us, you know, have that order and cohesion. So that's really the second gate of dreaming. When we talk about energetic scouts, we're talking about the inorganic world. So an inorganic being is a being that has an organism, with uh, an awareness without an organism. So it is also luminous shapes. It's not always a ball. It can be lots of different shapes. Um, some people go into that world in dreaming. You might, you know, might feel like you're running down tunnels. And there's beings in those tunnels and things like that. Um, it seems to be different. It's different for different people, um, men and women. Again, there's the spectrum, but it seems to be a difference of how that runs. What's the typical difference between men and women? Uh, men, men are seem a little more fascinated, or that world seems more fascinated with them. Carlos Castaneda said the universe is predominantly female. And that masculinity is a more late development. And in the inorganic world, it's a female world. So when a man comes in there, that's so, they love it, you know, and they, um, so Carlos had some challenges there. It's like, they want to keep you there. They want to, you know, sweet talk you or salesman talk you into certain things. That's not so, well, he writes about it in um, some of the art of dreaming, but like, um, there comes a certain point where Don Juan realizes the dreaming emissary, which is an inorganic being that has connected with Carlos, is starting to interfere with his dreaming. And Don Juan said, that's not freedom. We don't want that kind of interference. It can turn into mutual dependencies. You'll end up forever in that world. That's not what we want. You want to be able to have that freedom in dreaming. So he has them go to the dreaming and say, I'm, I'm ready to finish our relationship. And the dreaming says, let me, let me, but this is a good deal. The dreaming and research says, you know what? It's okay. I won't interfere with your dreaming. as so long as you don't, you know, sever our connection. Don Juan said, that's all we wanted is that you have freedom in the dream. But you have to be able to, and if we try to handle that stuff with the mind ahead of time when it's not relevant for us, we can get a little, can sound a little bit crazy and, and we can go wild with some mental ideas of it. But again, that's having, he had the energy and the discipline and he would listen to Don Juan and, you know, he was able to make his way. But you would see people coming to talks that were like, they could just shoot into the inorganic world, but they didn't have any sense of freedom didn't have an overriding um, purpose you can get caught like in that second gate and in that world it's not something to be overly fearful of it's just don't be in a hurry right and um, for uh, in this lineage just remember the idea 
the goal, whole purpose of the lineage and the practices is freedom of perception, not, you know, dependence of perception, dependency. So that's not really an issue with women. They can have, you know, one of my teachers had a little inorganic being that would come and massage her neck if she had a crick in it on an airplane or whatever, and it was fine. There's no dependency there because they don't care. They don't, they're not trying to keep a woman because they're female. It's not that unique to them. So I really don't personally know what it's like, you know, because um, I'm not a man, but these are, this is what I understand. How does one begin to, in dreaming, recognize the presence of these inorganic beings or these dream scouts? A quote here from Don Juan, he says in The Art of Dreaming, Dreams are, if not a door, a hatch into other worlds. As such, dreams are a two-way street. Our awareness goes through that hatch into other realms, and those other realms send scouts into our dreams. Through that hatch, currents of unfamiliar energy seep in. Then the mind or the brain, or whatever, takes those currents of energy and turns them into parts of our dreams. So how does one begin to become aware of the presence of these dream scouts or inorganic beings? Well, it's predicated on that other step that we talked about where you hold a stable image of a dream. And if you're able to do that really consciously, you'll notice if the furry purple snake comes in. There's a furry purple snake that just came in here. Let's check that out. And you can set your intent to find out, is that an energy generating being? And it, if it is, it'll sizzle. You look at it, everything else will disappear. And then you choose to have the energy. You ask, do I want to go into this world? You ask, take me to your world. Or you don't. I mean, and we've probably all had those experiences. Again, it's not necessarily linear, the progression of the gates. You might have had scouts come to you, but you just said, oh, I had a weird, you know, furry badger with rabbit ears. That was, this is my experience. Other people might, it might be a clock on the wall that, that has a funny shape to it or a funny mood or it moves its hands, you know, and it reaches out or something, who knows what, you know, it could be anything. It could be a door. Um, so different people will have different things. Mine come with, you know, the way they do, but that takes energy to recognize it. So it's just have the energy, have the intent. And for me, it's can be very helpful. Write it down or say it out loud. You know, I am a dream. Carlos was taught this, you know, I'm a dreamer. I am a dreamer, meaning I'm dreaming those kind of dreams, energy generating dreams. I am an impeccable dreamer. I intend to find my hands or I intend to become aware I'm falling asleep first. And when you have some consistency with that, then I intend to recognize scouts if they come into my dream tonight or this afternoon or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, intent is a very specific word in that lineage and it means connecting with the intelligent force of the universe. But it's, it's, connecting our will with that greater will. So a lot of times it's like my intent. Well, if we really get out of the way, it's you connecting with that bigger thing. We have a lot better chance of that succeeding. So it's not just I'm trying, I'm setting an intent. 
different mood. What's the purpose of the dream scouts? Presumably, they're not just laying around waiting to be recognized. If one wasn't to recognize them, are they up to something when they're coming in from these other realms into your dream? Do they have objectives or of their own? Um, I don't know. I, for me, I mean, the way I think about it is they're curious. And they, they've sensed a curiosity with us or they wouldn't be coming around. And so it's like that, you know, what you read that these dreams are, you know, sort of like it's the interim space between our world and, and, and other worlds. So they're curious. They see somebody who's becoming aware in dreams. They're going to see a different energy on that. They probably come and they're checking you out as much as you're checking them out. And they could have all sorts of intentions, just like any encounter you have. You know, if you travel somewhere and you stand out, you know, you're somehow wearing your I'm not from here sign. The locals might get curious, right? Um, and you'll be curious, and sometimes they'll be friendly and not. It's usually going to be a function of what, what your mood is. So that's where we don't have to be so uh, afraid. It's like if you're really clear on your intent, I don't think there's much to fear. If you're caught in, I'm trying to have power games, you might have inorganics that are coming in that will try to sweet talk you. And Carlos, like they said in his ear, you never have to leave. You don't even have to breathe. And he's like, wait a minute. You know, and he wakes up and he tells Don Juan. It's like, um, that's, again, more for men. Um, and yet it's a different time. He actually, in bringing that out, kind of took a layer of the fear off of it for all of us, Carlos. And, um, you know... There's, as he said, the sky's the limit, what you can explore, what you can find. Um, just don't get, don't get caught, just like in the daily world. We can go into something that's really cool, you know. Somebody could become a, a famous rock star. Let's not get caught in, in, the, in the fame game, right? That's probably not why they started. And if they, it is, and that's what they achieved, great. Not no, there's no conflict. But if you were doing it like I want to deliver an uplifting message to humanity, we we have to have some will and some intent and some consistent intent to keep that rolling because you'll get all the temptations, right? Of no sign this contract, right? So it's it's parallel in the dreaming world. Something that's always uh, fascinated me. I've heard stories from your lineage. Um of two people meeting in the dream. Uh, two practitioners say they can intend to rendezvous in a mutual dream. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that's achieved? Yeah. And uh, uh, Don Juan called that dreaming together. And, and again, it's a, it's a matter of intending. And, um, you know, you can practice together um, if those two beings want to meet in a dream, they can practice sitting in silence together, maybe in their separate spaces where they are, where a lot of us are still in um, quarantine or whatever we want to call it. Um, so as good an excuse as any, you're in your place, I'm in my place, I'll get in silence, I'll hold up this room, you do it in your room, 
and then we set the intent and I'm going to imagine you practice, you can practice in the daily awareness. I'm going to observe, you know, you could, I mean, there's so many things that you could do. Animals apparently communicate this way, according to some, you know, Rupert Sheldrake and other people. We can send pictures to each other. You can send intent to each other. And, you know, we didn't always have cell phones. We communicated in all very, you know, seemingly nonlinear ways. Our, that's our human heritage. So I could hold an image of this room and send it to you and then you can pick up on it if you go into silence, you know? So we could say, hey, I'm gonna come over to where you are, whatever, she's gonna come over here, I'm gonna go over there, whatever you agree on. Or this group is gonna meet in this room, you know? If we had a workshop somewhere, that's a lot of intensity, energy and intent, and, and we might sit and gaze in a room all together, and then we set the intent and follow up on it through email, calls or whatever, and you know, daily or weekly or whatever, sit down, set that intent. Some people will find each other in that room, you know? Um, so it goes back to something we said, you know, an earlier talk that it's, it's just, if we put our attention on things, our abilities are way more than we've been led to believe they are. So... How do you get to Broadway, right? You know this joke, right? Do I need to say the punchline? Somebody gets off the bus, you know, New York City. How do I get to Broadway? It's still a good joke. Practice, practice, practice. And what about contacting people who are deceased? That is also something that's a feature of the lineage. And I'm curious if you have any experiences doing that or and experiences doing meeting other people who are not dead yet also in the dream um i met uh, i met someone in dreams who's still living and uh my teacher taisha avalar came into the dream one of my teachers one of the students of don juan so Here's my friend, he's a Tensegrity practitioner, and there's a little boy there, and I understand without words that that's his son, and Taisha gives me, a, just looks and says, she, her, all she does is a little look and a sparkle in her eye. The the conveyance is that I'm, I need to pay attention to this kid and I ask her like well what do you mean what do I do I mean this these people they live on the other side of the planet and um, she just gives me a look like that's your journey to discover so I contact that friend in waking life do you have a son that fits this description about this age indeed he does I didn't know that he tells me his name Yes, I, I, first of all, I need to pay more attention to him. I've been traveling. Uh, second, he's been asking me questions about all the things that I study, and he's showing a natural interest. This person has many children. 
So first of all, the dream bears out. Um, second, there's more to be revealed. Third, there's people that, you know, we could be considered living or not living here, both in the, in the dream. That's one example of many. There's so many things that we can do. Um, you know, Carlos, we talk about pulling strands of knowledge to us. There are people who are have passed away who have tremendous knowledge about different topics. And we could just ask, hey, uh, Tesla, would you mind helping me with this electrical issue or, or you know, whatever your proclivities are? I'd like to ask Martin Luther King about public speaking and more than that about passion, you know, um, about holding an intent beyond his person, you know. Um, so we have all this access to knowledge. It's such a great question because that's knowledge. We also have relatives. I mean, I had, I have three people in my immediate family who are on the other side now. They are guides. My uh, firstborn oldest brother came through during a breathing practice the other day and um, I was doing it with a, f uh, a friend who was facilitating with, for me the breathing session. And I started seeing him and his memorial. And she goes, oh, your brother's here. It's <laughs> like, so she could perceive that too. And he was conveying a mood. He was conveying a lot of things. I felt him around several days after kind of making peace about certain things. Like, well, what about this that happened in your life? He's like, I've worked that out. And what do I do about this? He goes, you know, he's letting me know it's going to be fine. And he'll, he's always there for me to talk to. And well, why didn't we talk more in daily life? He's like, we're talking now, you know? So there's all sorts of layers of interactions that we can have. For me, the key and the core is to, to have a pure intention as much as possible. Um, then those encounters will be enhancing. We can also have encounters with kind of noisy ghosts, um, you know, that haven't maybe happily crossed over fully or there's unresolved things. To me, number one is don't, don't buy into the fear of that. At first, I mean, I had that happen one time. I'm sitting talking to a friend on the phone and a kind of cantankerous presence came in the hallway and I asked, hey, please stay on the phone. And I asked later, you know, friends that knew that house and that neighborhood and they're like, oh, that was Jim. You know, he used to get drunk and come over. And I, <laughs> I was like, I felt a presence that was not that conscious. It wasn't really bothering me, but it was a little scary because I wasn't used to that. And it was just like, oh, okay. That person's just coming by to say hi, and he's not asking me to help him in any way. He's asked me to help him feel more sober. I could ask, you know, universal help, and we can assist in that way. You know, if we perceive them, we can. But he wasn't asking. He seemed fine, so fine. You know, that same friend's father came with some messages after he passed. I was like, what's going on? I pass on the message. He goes, there were specific phrases his father used. He goes, oh, my gosh, yes. That was very helpful to my friend. It scared me at first, but then I realized, okay, this is just something I can be helpful. 
Um, I don't seek it, but I don't push it away. If it, it's not, if it's helpful to somebody, by all means, I'll let, I'll bring that through, you know? And I think we all have those abilities. Different ones will have different things, but everybody has this. Something else that I understand dreaming is used for in your lineage is to create circumstances or conditions in, if you want, the waking world. I suppose the phrase might be used, manifestation, would be maybe a sort of more new age kind of phrase, where one uh, would, uh, would like a promotion or a partner or something like this, and can actually entering into the dreaming state do some sort of maneuvers there that bring that into being somehow. Could you talk a little bit about how that works, what the procedure is, uh, and that, that whole area of bringing something into being in the waking world through some sort of dream operation? So one way to do that, if you're intending, let's say, um, I want a partner or I want to work, teach math to children or whatever it is, this is where, you know, people call it a vision board. We might call it a dreaming board or a dreaming. You can create a dreaming circle on a table with objects that represent what you want to dream and the mood. It can be literal images or stones or whatever, whatever inspires you. And you, you look at that every day and we've all heard all those stories. You know, I put this green car on my vision board and boom, there's the green car and the partner. And Oh my gosh, I, Sometimes it's the actual person in the picture, even though it was in a magazine. So <laughs> um, we can do that. That also will affect our dreaming at night or dreaming when we go to sleep. So um, we can put something that we were working on that we want a solution on right out, you know, and put it next to your night table and set the intent. You've told the universe, this is what I'm working on. Please help bring me, I'm intending this, so you will be drawn to it, it will be drawn to you, whatever will help you with that, um, or images. Um, Don Juan would say, you know, be careful that we, it's really a deeper use of intending, you know, we intend things into our lives, or you could say we dream them into our lives. He would say that in this lineage, you know, we are, we, we want to remember we're beings that are going to die. This form we won't have forever. So we don't want to waste it on um, sort of trying to have power over others or I just want concrete objects and that's the end of it in this lineage. You know, this is about freedom of perception. So it's really going to work more easily if your intent is one that relates to freedom. Um, and I can say this just on a basic 101 waking level. If I'm helping someone or I'm working, you know, stepping into a workshop where I'm really aligned and I'm going to be, you know, assisting in something that's really going to be fruitful for others or I'm assisting one of my teachers with something, there's a parking space right in front of the place where I'm picking up something or you know, you get into the venue and there's three people that are just ready to take you in. It's, you have entree, it flows. If it's something where I'm really not aligned with it, and I'm, or like, let's say in its event I'm trying to go to, 
I'm not really aligned. Somebody gets in front of me and drives half the speed limit. The light will be out and there's a delay and so on and so on and so forth. And if I'm listening, I'm like, hey, maybe I need to rethink this. Or maybe there's something in my intent that needs to realign, you know. Um, but in terms of dreaming at night, put it on your table. Some people put it under the pillow. You put it on the wall, focus your intent or have an object that represents it that you wear or that you have. And it focuses your intent. And it definitely can facilitate manifestation as, you know, it's a good word. I'm curious if it's possible to influence another person's life or situation through the dreaming world. One sometimes hears stories of sorcerers or seers and so on using their dreaming power to attack uh, somebody, for instance. Attack? Okay. Or spy on somebody, uh, for instance. Uh, I've certainly had people boast about that. I've heard people boast about that. <laughs> Is that... Uh... Is that madness? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Is that the height of insanity? Is that, the, is that the height of insanity? I think so, yes, um, for me. Uh, I mean, what a waste of energy, right? And we do it in the daily world. Again, we have the parallels in the daily world. I'm busy with how so, how this my office mate needs to change, and I'm not looking in the mirror. That's a, that is a waste of energy, you know? So, oh, my gosh, you have the ability to hold up a dream and be aware of your dreaming body, and you're going to waste it on spying on someone, you know? I mean, if you want to use that a literal, if you're actually a spy and that's your job, I mean, I can't speak to that, you know, but that is a, a different matter. But if that's not your actual, you know, job, you know, mission, um, it, it makes no sense because instead of looking at what you know, Jim is doing in his room, you could be looking at um, another world. You could be doing all sorts of stuff. You could be creating new music. You could be hearing, you know, um, symphonies. Man's capacity for petty use of, uh, <laughs> of power is certainly staggering. But has anything like that ever happened to you or someone you know, uh, some sort of malicious in influence? Uh, come come over you or it presumably is possible so is it something that a dreamer needs to become aware of is it something that becoming more of a dreamer makes you more susceptible to perhaps you're more visible uh, in a sense whether or not one it's a good idea to do it it seems to happen and, and what, what are the considerations around that um for me the considerations are you we are vibrational beings we're at base at energy and has a vibration of intent so if you have an intent that's involved with that kind of stuff you will encounter it in dreaming as well and you'll encounter it when you step out the door too or before you step out the door you know um so i mean i definitely had experience where somebody who was very focused on me as a person but that was their experience. They're like, oh, I was in your room. And I was like, good for you. You know, I mean, I don't want, you know, it, it didn't feel like a threat to me. I mean, I, and it's not to make fun either. I mean, I, it's just that really had nothing to do with me. I don't think they could really affect 
me doing that. That's really more about them. And it was a cool experience for them that they could do that. Um, um, so, you know, you get in a way what, what you are or what you're embodying, what you're focusing on. Um, so, I mean, I think Car Carlos wrote about his experiences of going into the UCLA um, offices, graduate offices, and finding out who it was that was stealing copies or whatever from the copier. And Don Juan was like, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you really need to know something on the other side, uh, I think your dreams will show you. I've definitely been shown that. Like, I've been shown others' intentions that I was intentionally or willfully blind to that really is better for me to know. I wasn't necessarily trying to focus on that, but I was given that, you know? And and it, sometimes I just really still want to deny it, but I had an open-out dream, you know, with most of my peers and my teachers and Carlos is there, and you see one person's intent is really clear. If I get overly focused on that, then I'll be doing that. So it's also showing me, watch out that you don't get into that. This was someone that was literally gazing at their navel in the dream. And, you know, hey, watch out. That's, that's also a cue for me. So we never kind of get off scot-free like, ah, ha, 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 we've discovered him. You know, it's also, first of all, not convenient, you know, to see that. And second, it says, heads up, you know, that's how I take it. Otherwise, I'm like, it's five minutes to crash point if I start getting all righteous about it, you know. Fascinating. Yeah, this yeah. has been this has been a very interesting indeed. I'm wondering, as somebody who's had has received a great deal of training, had a lot of experience in the dreams in this dreaming uh, art. I'm wondering, uh, every, are you every night dreaming in this sort of way? Or is it because it's sort of come and go these days? Or I'm curious what it looks like as someone who's an advanced practitioner of this art of dreaming. Uh, what I have is, at the moment, I seem to be getting a lot of information about people that's helpful. You know, potentials, possibilities. I see someone doing their art or their music, or I see someone reconnecting with their son, or um, I see... Um, something new coming in that, you know, they're walking into something they always dreamt of. Um, so that's, that's really a nice thing. And that tells me, you know, my focus right now is on um, facilitating for others and, you know, creative expression as part of our healing or part of our wholeness. So the healing element is coming into that. So I might get um, dreams also about something that would be helpful to someone's healing um, or my own. We have to start with ourselves. That's happening a lot. And the way what I do to facilitate and sort of stay out of the way, so to speak, um, my natural, I don't know if it's natural, <laughs> but my habit would be media junkie, you know, social media, whatever it is. Um, so I do less of that, um, try to quarantine that, put it in its place. That helps a lot personally with my dreaming. Um, literally being more quiet 
right now in terms of how I move about. Um, everybody doesn't have to hear me. That creates a different fluidity in dreams. And then the sounds, if, if I play my instruments, if I play flute, if I do singing, if I do breath meditation, those in particular really help me going to sleep. Also just those simple practical things like not eating after a certain hour, give a few hours before you go to sleep if you can. If you have blood sugar issues, you adjust and you know everybody has their way. But um, so in a way it's like not filling up the dreaming attention and the body with unnecessary stuff gets that out of the way. Um, sometimes I will put an intent forth. Um, if I'm working on with somebody on a, you know, facilitating healing, I might actually fall asleep working on that and I'll be shown stuff in the dreams. Sometimes if it's something overwhelming, I, I would do the opposite and maybe if I'm working on it that evening, then I'll clear, make sure that I'm not, don't have any unnecessary connection. And you know, that's over there right now. It's in that space. I'll open that up when I need to again, and then just go into my own space. Um, so that's the practice right now. If it's a flute playing day, it's a good day. <laughs> if it did it for someone else, it's an even better day. Um, so just practicing your arts. And I think when we practice what we really naturally have passion about and love to do, it's a bridge to the dreaming state. It's a bridge to silence. And it's a bridge to not talking to ourselves. It's a bridge to a different experience of time. So for me, if I'm playing the flute over something, uh, I might have a dream about it, or I might even get an, a clear picture, kind of a waking dream while I'm doing that. <clears throat> Especially if I'm playing a flute that I don't know as much about. I'm not, I know this flute better than I know these. So these, it's really hard. There's, it's hard to talk to myself because I can't even get too involved in technique. <laughs> so you just go somewhere and let something else play you, you know, something enhancing high vibration. Um, that naturally takes us into a dreaming state. And then if I, if I do listen to stuff in media, I try to make it uplifting and then it'll translate into the dreams in really interesting ways and I enjoy that and it's fun, you know, listening to songwriter and then I will start seeing song lyrics. That's exciting, you know. Naomi Rez, thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.